Good morning, ladies. So good to see you on this chilly Tuesday, right? Um, Anton, are we good? Perfect. Well, before we get started, let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to jump right on in. Our great God and Father, we just praise your holy name. We worship you, your goodness, your sovereignty, your great love. We are grateful for this day. We are grateful for your word. Thank you so much that we could come and study it together. Would you please open our hearts and our ears and our minds to what you have to say to us today? In Christ's name, amen. So um, some of you may remember way back when uh, it was Hurricane Katrina was all the, all the rage. And it was during that time and kind of the year uh, before that where I would call it my season of discontent. It was um, the kids were kind of high schoolish, middle school, high school age, and I had everything that I had ever dreamed of. Uh, my great hope and prayer in life. I wanted to be a mom who could stay home and, and be with her kids, and, and that was coming to pass. That was, that was all there. And I had just been kind of going along in, in life, and, and I'm not saying this to sound woohoo, um, there are no pedestals here. Um, but it really was not, you know, we all have our thing that we struggle with or whatever, but for people to have this or that, I was truly just happy for them. It was, no, it was not like something I compared with or anything, but then came my season of discontent. And everything I saw, I wanted. I, I wanted it to be different than what I had. And I remember my heart was just getting so wrapped up in me. And it was getting dark, and my words were getting harsh, and my attitude was horrid. And then I remember one of my good friends, um, they bought a new house, and it was so beautiful, and I just plunged into this sadness. Oh, ugliness. And I remember feeling just, uh, about, I, I would just, ever, do you ever get this way where you just look around your house and your word is just, uh? <laughs> How sad. Uh, I know, looking from the other side, it's like embarrassing for me to tell you all this. And then I was talking to one of my girlfriends on the phone. This is a girlfriend in California who is dear. We had walked a lot of difficult life together, and I just blah, blah, blah. And this and that, and, and I can't believe this, and every money is so tight, and uh, we can't afford this, we can't afford that, and, and I just spewed it all, just whined away. And she was very quiet. And then she said, I love you. I cannot jump on this train with you. I just got back from New Orleans where Hurricane Katrina was. 
These people have nothing. Everything is taken away. She said, I have been in your home. It is lovely. I know your husband. He's a man of character. He works hard to provide for you and your family. And I have been with you when you were praying for all your babies. And I've seen God's answer to your prayer and the desire of your heart. So I'm going to tell you, my sweet friend, stop. This is not of God. Your heart has gone in the wrong direction, and I will not go with you. But I will encourage you to come back to your great God, to cultivate the seeds of gratefulness in your heart, to pull you out of this dark place. Such words of truth turned my mind and my heart around. Honestly, I was very quiet after she said those things. <laughs> I did not fall to my knees at that moment, but I felt the conviction of my father and the spirit moving in me. And I just told her, I, I don't really like what you're saying right now. She's like, sorry. That's <laughs> but it started me on a road that was much better. But I will tell you that this discontent is so strong. And we see it here in our scripture this morning. We see it here in our scripture this morning. Chapter 21 of 1 Kings. Did we not see Ahab covet the vineyard of Naboth? covet, want with everything that he had. And he goes right to him and he asks him, he says, I will give you a better vineyard. I will give you money. Verse 3, but Nahab, Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid me that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. Naboth would not dishonor God. Giving up one's inheritance was not what the Lord had in mind. People would have their land and it would go from generation to generation. It would be passed on. It was to stay in the family. And whether Ahab, I mean, we know he wasn't like following the word of the Lord. We don't know if he knew the law or parts of it, or how that is, but Naboth would not dishonor God. He wouldn't do it. So what does Ahab do? Verse 4, he came into his house sullen and vexed because of the word of Naboth. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and ate no food. That just sent him to the pit, didn't it? He had just longed for it so much in his heart and it just got him all wrapped up. And although with Ahab, we've seen this before, it's kind of a pattern in his life. 
right? I think it's very important for us to look. What are the patterns in our life that lead us away from God? What are the patterns of our life that lead us to him? When we see that we are responding the same way, or reacting might be a better word, reacting the same way over and over in different situations, that's a pattern. Let's ask the Lord to light those up so that we can see, is this a pattern that is drawing me to him or from him? Where's my heart in this pattern? Is it angry and discontent? Or is the way that I respond pleasing to God? What are the patterns in our life? Well, we see this from Ahab. And in comes Jezebel. Terror through our, you know, and she asked him, basically, what is wrong? I'm obviously summarizing. So he tells her. And I thought it was interesting that Ahab did not really tell her the whole truth. Not necessarily that it would have mattered, but he kind of just cut out the part that, that Naboth would not dishonor the Lord. He just said he would not give it to him. Justifying our own wants, even if we see that they are not in line with God's word. Just this kind of little half-truth there that he gave. And as we see, as we move on, and I would say that Ahab has a heart that is very discontent. So we know what it, um, Jezebel did. Just such an evil, evil thing to set up Naboth. And she set him up so that he would be tried and stoned for speaking against God and king. This would allow Ahab to have claim then over his property because against God and against the king, those two things in their law then would allow the king to take over the property. She covered them both. When her deed was done, she let him know that Naboth would not be a problem any longer. So she said to Ahab, Arise and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth. And it came about when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab rose to go to the vineyard and take possession of it. His heart had become so discontent So discontent. A heart at peace, Proverbs 14.30 tells us. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. But envy rots the bones. Ladies, that is 
dangerous ground, a dull conscience, if at all, that he had. When our conscience is too dull to be pricked in the right direction, we make tiny decisions that take us slowly away from putting ourselves in the practice of seeking God. Little ones just creep in here and there, and our heart gets discontent, and it rots the bones. There's a great quote that I left for you. It's on the back of your notes page, and it's by John Piper. This made me think of this. Your bones are the only hard substance in your body. Picture yourself with no skull, no spine, no shoulder or arm bones, no ribs, no hip or leg or foot bones, a sack of moist, immobile discontent. Stand up straight and be content. And I was trying to think, what would be a visual of that? And the only thing I could picture was like, which I did not bring with me, was an octopus. And if I had a stool here and I just laid that octopus on it, it would just kind of fall on down any which way, right? Sliding this way and sliding that way just into gooey nothingness. Whichever way it was tilted, that's kind of seeing Ahab just rotted to the very bones. He had no spine. He had nothing to stand on. When those it's not fair moments come, whether perceived or real, our perspective and our hearts will be swayed one way or the other. How will we, res- we will respond to that? Will we be harmful to ourselves, our relationship with God and others? Ladies, in my season of discontent, I was, I was not kind. I was really kind of whiny to my husband who was working so hard to provide for our family. I had to ask his forgiveness not recognizing that and putting pressure on him and being frustrated with him that I couldn't have the things I wanted. Surely this made me short with my children and even my friends. Envy is an ugly thing. A discontented heart can be so dark And it's dangerous ground, friend. It's dangerous ground. But let us not forget that in all of this, this evil that went on, God is just. And sometimes we can't see his justice. But it's coming in verse 17. And on. 
the Lord says to Elijah, Arise and go down and meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. He is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where the dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, the dogs shall lick up your blood, even yours. You are not exempt because of your position or your name or your perceived power. God is just. God is just. When our hearts go to dangerous and dark places, we allow them continuing, we allow them to continue on in the direction that we begin to see God's word, God's truth, God's rebuke as our enemy, as our troubler, as exasperating. We think it keeps us from what we think is good and best. It brings turmoil to our soul, and we are fighting with what we know to be right. But ladies, we must be so careful. Because if we, do, if we don't turn, our hearts and our consciences will at some point stop fighting. The turmoil will not be pointing us to God. And the voice of the Lord will get softer and softer until we're not even able to hear it at all. But we see God's justice here because evil will not have the last word against God's word. It is not greater than God and his justice and his sovereignty. Do we see in verse 20 Ahab's pattern? And Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? Does that sound like something at the beginning? There you are, O troubler of Israel. Not a good place to be when the rebukes of God do not prick our conscience and our hearts to turn back to him. Red flag, red flag. Ladies, I ask that you, that we each pray, God, where is it? Show me those ways. Turn me back to you. And Elijah answers Ahab, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Ladies, it's to the point where he has sold himself where that's just what he's going to do. That's what's taken over him. God always sees. Nothing is hidden from him. This can bring us great comfort if we learn to rest in his timing 
and his sovereignty and his justice. This will bring us great comfort to know that God sees. He saw what Jezebel was doing. Am I going to wrestle with him about why he didn't step in sooner? Or am I going to rest in his sovereignty and his justice? That's a lot of learning, isn't it? That's a, that's a lot of growing that we have to do. Because our nature wants answers and we want results. And I want the explanation. But sometimes we don't get those things. And so we must go back to what we know to be true about our great God. That he is just. He is sovereign. He sees. He knows. And so we hear from Elijah the just judgment of God coming upon Ahab through verses 24. And his judgment that will be on Jezebel. That the dog shall eat her. Wow. That's a quite the judgment. Because in 26 it says, and he acted very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had cast out before the sons of Israel. The Lord had already cast out those, but Ahab brought it all back. So I just ask us, what will I do to guard my heart? What will I do to guard my heart? Start with coming before our great God and asking him to shine the light on the darkness that is in us. Because there is healing in the light. There's redemption in the light. Let's get it out there before him that the healing can begin. We see as we continue on in verses 25 through 29 that it came about when Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth sackcloth and fasted and he lay in sackcloth and went about despondently and then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me because he has humbled himself before me I will not bring the evil in his days but I will bring the evil upon his house in his son's days just a couple of things I wanted to mention about God's mercy, as I know that we studied it last week. In Isaiah 66, 1 and 2, the part that I wanted to focus on is 
But to this one, God declares, but to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. I think at this point, Ahab was trembling at God's word. I don't know as I don't know the condition of Ahab's heart, but we see that he did humble himself before the Lord, and the Lord had mercy. He did not remove all the consequences. But Ahab would not see them come to pass. And I think that it was just brought up a question as, as I looked and I just thought, Lord, it just looked to me, we've read a lot about Ahab and he seems like the last person that would deserve even a drop of mercy. But I do not see what God sees. And what we learned last week with God's sovereignty is that he will do as he pleases. He will act or not act as he pleases. This is his sovereignty. We may see the mercy to Ahab, and we might just be focused narrowly narrowly on that one thing. But what about if his granting mercy to Ahab granted mercy to even the nation of Israel as they would no longer be under the king, this evil king, more quickly, perhaps? The reign of this evil one would be lifted from them. I don't know. I don't know what God sees, But here's what I do know. He sees more than I do. And he knows more than I do. And it made me realize that if I'm going to learn to rest in God's word and his character and his sovereignty, I have to know and trust that he sees beyond what I see or what I can even think or speculate about. Here's what I know. God saw him humble himself and he extended mercy. He saw a humble and contrite spirit and it says, but to this one I will look. I remember when Markel, my oldest, was younger and I would always tell her when I was giving her a a job to do or talking to her about right and wrong or whatever and I would say, look in my eyes. Look at me. So that I knew she got it. And then she would come when I was on the phone or when I was writing and she would say, Mom, look at me, look at me. And grab my cheeks and point me to her. And I always picture this with the Lord, but to this one I will look. And I want to grab his face and say, look at me, look at me. And he says, I will look to him who is humble, of contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. I want to be this woman. 
And that is what I want to trust in because we see the, the unfathomable mercy of God in this illustration in Ahab. And do you realize, friends, that he has given that to you and to me? To you and to me. To me, this ugly, discontented woman who is sitting with more than she could even use in her lifetime. His mercy is all over you. And that same heart for mercy extends to you and me, that overwhelming, drive us to our knees, face on the ground, awareness of the mercy of God towards your heart and your soul. Because this is the heart of our God. In First, Second Peter 3, 8 and 9. He, uh, Peter is answering the church who who is um, being persecuted or, or letting them know that, that people are going to come and say, when is the Lord coming back? And they're going to mock them. That's what this particular verse is speaking about. And so we look and say, why is the Lord delaying? The Lord is not slow about his promise of coming back, as some count slowness. Why, though? Why is he delaying? But he is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. This is the heart of mercy of our great God, that he would even wait so that more could come to him, because once he comes, it's over. There is no more time. And his heart is that none should perish. So how, how will I seek to live with a humble and contrite heart? I will seek to draw and to plant my roots deep in the character of my great God in the wells of his mercy. Because we see in chapter 22, we really see God. I am God and there is no other. I am God. There is none like me. We've seen him all throughout Kings, and it's been such an encouraging study to my heart to, to just see God get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I hope that's happened for you. I hope that, that you have seen him just expound more than you could even think or imagine, and that it has moved your heart and your soul and your mind to love him and know him more. And here we're just going to see all of that on display. As Ahab goes to war. And what we see is his heart is not changed, unfortunately. After he had received mercy... 
He didn't do the things that kept his heart soft toward God. He went right back to what he know, what he knew, what he did. Ladies, that can be you and I. Complacency is easy, and it is a deadly foe of spiritual growth. A.W. Tozer. Because our hearts and consciences have been pricked, we have to replace what we were doing with something else. With going deeper into God and who he is. We see that Ahab's heart is no longer even moved at God's words. All the other, they called them prophets of the Lord, but they didn't seem like they were really prophets of the Lord. They seemed that they were just prophets of whatever the king wanted them to say. And we have Jehoshaphat asking, is there a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? After he had already heard from the 400. So Micaiah comes in. Here's what I loved about this man. Is he reminded me of Elijah. Did he remind you of Elijah at all? When he said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. He knew his God. He knew who he served. And he stood, stood firm in that. His faith was in God alone. Here is a man who did not waver. We see that the men of God were there even amidst the evil. They were not mighty in number, those who followed faithfully to the Lord. But the Lord did not leave them alone. He was always with them, and he gave them his word. And they were not meek or cowering, but their faith in God gave them courage and boldness to step out in faith. And as they did that, they saw him act over and over and over again. And even when they didn't, they were holding fast to what they knew to be true about God's character. And we must too, ladies. There's a saying I read in a book called Byzantium. And on a journey, an older man was giving a younger man instruction. And he told him, do not lose hold in the darkness what you knew to be true in the light. Do not lose hold in the darkness. When the darkness comes or evil ways comes, don't lose hold in the darkness what you knew to be true in the light all the truth that you know about your great God you stand on that firmly you stand on that firmly because the truth is do you know this from old from the establishment of man on earth that the triumphing of the wicked is short and the joy of the godless momentary our God, as we saw 
in the battle. How Ahab was defeated, just like Micaiah had said, had spoken the words of the Lord, and it all came to pass that Ahab died. And just like Rhonda had said last week, from a random arrow, who does that but our God? It is not so random. Nothing as random as his hand, I hope you know. But it is his sovereignty and his justice and the fact that he is God and there is no other. And the dogs licked his blood. Our God's word is true. Our God is just. He is merciful. He is the only God. Ladies, we want to be the women who stand firm, and we may be few, but we have the Lord of hosts. We have the God Almighty on our side. Stand firm in that. Put your roots deep in that and go forward knowing that God is with you and he will never leave you. Amen.